Hello, dear Starshines. Welcome to today's lunchtime chats. Uh, my name is Christina and I am an acceleration expert. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in, settle in. We have some interesting things, very interesting things to be talking about today. Um, uh, for those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I'm an acceleration expert and we are here to talk about topics and issues that are significant for us starseeds, wayshowers, and new paradigm visionaries. We have capacities and capabilities that are not embraced by our larger human family. Therefore, we have a very unique perspective to the current day events going on and I do to the best of my ability anyway. If I, maybe I succeed, maybe I don't, but I do to the best of my ability um, to offer a liberated perspective to these challenges that we're facing. So welcome, 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 everybody. Please let me know if I'm coming in, if the signal is coming in okay. Um, I'm in the middle of nowhere desert <laughs> and um, I'm using my neighbor's Starlink. Uh, to talk to you guys today. So let me know if it's coming through okay. Um, and yeah, let me, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Tasha, for, Tasha, for that. Um, thank you. I'm glad to hear that it's coming through. Now let me talk about our topics. So I want to, I want to reference, there's a few things that are on my mind. One, I want to talk about the signs that I'm seeing um, that, uh, you know, there's a cleanup going on in our artificial timelines there is a rectification going on to our uh hijacked timelines so where they're no longer hijacked and we're going as a collective into a more consolidated um you know uh, organic if that's the word to use um timeline trajectory so i want to talk about the signs that i'm seeing that this is true hello behind my eyes Wow, behind my eyes and storylines. I love that. Hello, dear Starshine. <laughs> oh, you must be you must be in our crew because <laughs> we use behind the term behind our eyes all the time. That's awesome. And that's and storylines. All right. Anyway, um, and then I also want to talk about um, justice, the inverted version of justice, and how it's serving to. Um, it's serving to um, be in the way of the unification, healing between um, the masculine, the masculine and feminine dynamics. So I want to talk about the um, inverted, distorted um, ideas of justice that we have that's in the way of us reunifying with our, uh, within ourselves, but also with those of the opposite sex. So whether you're a man, um, seeking relationship with a woman or a woman seeking relationship with the masculine energy. Uh, I, I want to talk about this justice piece because it's it's profound. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> and then uh, I also want to talk about I also want to talk about our birthright, our birthright as multi-dimensional beings, as sacred children of earth and sky. Um, sacred children of earth and sky within these bodies and how our birthright is quite literally over history has been hijacked and put on display and in, in, in hiding in plain sight. So I want to talk about that because that's actually had most of my attention today in um, this morning. So if there are more questions that rise up as I talk about these pieces, 
put them in the chat and I will, you guys know that I'll, I'll get to them, um, you know, sporadically as I go through these pieces. Ah, Lisa Marie, of course, <laughs> my five-year-old secret blog is up and going. Yay. Good. Glad to hear it. God. Yeah. Channeling those creative energies. Very good. Very good. Five-year-old secret blog. Have you really been writing a blog in secret for five years? That's amazing, darling. I didn't know. So um, let's talk about those timelines and the rectification of timelines. Like, what the heck am I talking about, right? So um, a lot of people, when they start um, getting exposed to the idea of timelines, there's like a helplessness, a powerlessness that kind of rises up because, you know, we're given our history. We're told, um, you know, we're pretty much told from the outer world how to, what our choices are, um, what our perspective should be. This is what a good person looks like. This is what a crappy person looks like. This is what a virtuous person is. And this is what a not virtuous person is. You know what I mean? We're, we're given all of these um, understandings and perspectives and judgments from our outer world. And we're, um, and you know, we're lied to most of the time. And, and these, this is the, that classic story that you hear, you know, a millionaire real estate guy ticks off all the boxes of all the things that should make him happy. He gets it all. And then he, he's floating in his pool one day and he realizes how miserable he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's wondering why. So then he starts to pursue what is the real meaning of life? What is the real, what is a, a life that actually is worth waking up for? Right. So this is a classic story. There's so many people. I think even Tony Robbins has this story, right? So, uh, you know, this is, this is a, um, a, something that humanity is struggling with at a whole. Um, and that's because we're, we're lied to on all these layers. And the most important, I think, or the most tragic, impactful lie that humanity is working out right now is being lied to about our history. We're being lied to about who we really are as a species, right? So if you're religious, if you follow any of the core three religions, which is, um, I'm going to say core, I'm not saying they're the only ones out there. I'm just saying the most prolific are the, um, is Christianity, Judaism, and um, Islam. Okay. They all are based off of sacred books and they are all based off of one common sacred book that they call different names the christians call it the old testament the um the uh the the the, the judeo um uh tr traditions hebrew whatever call them the, the torah and then we have islam which uses it's the first chapters of the quran right so regardless those stories those creation stories are the same in those three religions and it, and it basically is, you know, Eve was created, you know, the female was created by some uh, piece of the man, right? And in Christianity, it's a rib, right? So some part of the man was dismembered from him and, oh, and then the woman appeared. So quite literally, the woman is an offspring of the man, right? And then they also have in common in their stories that uh, the woman um introduced a uh, a forbidden idea in, in christianity it's eating the apple uh taking from this from the tree of knowledge and uh and that got them kicked out of the garden of eden so all three books um in their creation story tell humans that they're sinners at the get-go you're you're because you're in a human body you're a sinner and because you're in a human body you are cursed to only reap thistles and thorns from the earth so it instantly Put, frames us up in a um, 
in a hostile relationship with the goddess, with the sacred mother. Okay. So you might think, yeah, well, that's a story way back when I don't believe in that story, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and what I'm, what I'm here to tell you is that it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. The fact is, is that there's many generations of people who believe that many of generations of cultures have evolved with that principle informing them on a conscious and subconscious level. Okay. And it also truncates our timeline that humanity began like maybe 10,000 years ago, uh, 6,000 years ago, if you go by the Torah. So, and what, and, and, and the reason why that's so important is because it's an artificial timeline that they're tuning us into. And when we get, when we are, um, you know, tuning into an artificial timeline, we're not able to recognize uh, artificial timeline trajectories that we're heading towards, right? We're not able to recognize what timelines are the truth in our spirit, the reason why we're waking up out of day, out of bed every day and walking through the world versus a timeline that is hijacked and, um, you know, and is for an agenda outside of that of our spirit, right? We literally have nothing to compare it to, so we can't tell the difference. So this has been a major factor in the hijacking of human consciousness on this planet for many, 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 many years, right? But then we have stories that just will not go away, right? Like the story of Atlantis. That story will not go to, go away no matter how much uh, the, um, what do you call it? The intellectual, historical, the historians say that it's just a myth. It's just a legend. Okay. Because uh, many people, um, and when stories like that exist, despite being dismissed, there's, it's because it's something in our cellular memory that we can't, that's not going to get let go of. It's something that is ingrained in our subconscious. So those stories prevail. And then, um, then we go even deeper into our spiritual journey or, or what have you. And then we start getting into, oh, wait a minute. There wasn't just Atlantis as a ancient civilization. There was also Mu. And Lumeria, you know, that was an ancient civilization, right? So as the story goes, the Atlanteans abused technology and eventually um, went against nature or disc or created some sort of um, weapon or power supply that that destroyed that destroyed um, uh, their civilization and was, you know, some people suspect that that was the cause of the Great Flood that uh, Mesopotamia text and are in the Bible and other in, in the Torah and Quran refer to in their, in their stories, a great flood. And of course in Christianity, it was a great fl flood to purge the earth <laughs> of the corrupted humans and stuff like this. Now the re so like I said, time, our history getting hijacked really derails us and being able to discern our timeline trajectories from the here and now. But years ago, this was like so thick, only like conspiracy theorists or only really out there um, new agers or whatever were, were aware of that, you know, the timeline was not what we're told. The, the timeline of human history, the timeline of advanced civilizations are not what we're told. And, and it's obvious, right? It's obvious because you look at Ankar in, um, 
in Asia. You look at these temples that were carved in a solid piece out of an entire mountain, these massive temple complexes that were carved out of an entire mountain and they're gargantuan in size. Now, that was not some primitive people with a hammer and chisel. And they actually did the math that if you had a crew of a million people working seven days a week for a hundred years, you still will not be able to create that temple complex. You see what I mean? So it was really obvious that, you know, that did not fit into the timeline. And of course we have the, the pyramids of Giza, right? That's pretty clear. The Sphinx, that was a big tell. That was a big tell of the timeline distortions. Um, a, a geologist was able to go in there and say, you know, this erosion pattern um, shows water erosion and it was over 45,000 years ago. Now that really puts a timeline, you know, it totally blows the timeline out of the water. But here's another thing. And I'm going to, I want to put, put a plug in for this because I think it's extremely empowering for a human to hear the real tell, the real, um, they're pointing their finger at the pink elephant in the room with those false timelines. And if you guys have Netflix, it's a show called Ancient Apocalypse. And I'm mentioning, I'm mentioning this because any show that's talking about apocalypse, I'm just like, yeah, thank you. No, thank you. You know, I feel like that's kind of like humanity revisiting their, their catastrophe wounds. You know, we're, 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 you know, the program is constantly triggering our catastrophe wounds, putting us into, you know, deep subconscious fight or flight places like, like the Mad Max movies. I mean, how many post-apocalyptic dystopias have you seen in your, in your lifetime? Right. It's like, I feel like the, that, you know, those kinds of movies are, are triggering that deep cellular memory of trauma of, of global catastrophe. And, you know, that just, you know, that just reinforces the, the, the lies of our past timelines. So this particular show, that's all about the work of Graham Hancock, um, and it is so well done and he puts it in such a simple way that is blatantly obvious that we are completely clueless of what the actual timeline is of evolved societies on this planet, of technological societies on this planet and, and how the ruling um, uh, intellectuals and um, um, scholars uh, communities, how they, how they discredit people who raise very valid question based on evidence found. And I know about, there's a, um, an archeological, a female archeologist, uh, decades ago found tobacco in a, an Egyptian tomb, which was shocking because at the time it was thought that only South America had cultivated tobacco only this only that was specifically to the um actually the north central and south american continents tobacco and, and she had this evidence and then she wrote in a hypothesis based on the evidence and she ended up getting humiliated and blackballed and you know and shut down by the male scholar <laughs> communities right so her being a female that made it very easy back then to discredit her i know doesn't that make you mad that makes me mad it's like really you know, she's easily discredited because she's a woman. Come on now. Anyway, so, so, I mean, the evidence has been coming out. People have been asking good questions, but they get humiliated and shamed and blackballed and all this stuff. And, and Graham Hancock has been the receiver of that for many decades, but the show that he's doing, he it, it like lays it out with blatant obviousness <laughs> of 
how the game gets played and why humanity is misinformed on the level that they are. And he talks about sacred sites that I had no idea even existed. I mean, he goes into places that like, like um, in, there's some um, the in Indonesia and he, you know, he goes to these places and are finding these ancient, ancient, um, he, First, he contacts the archaeologist that did the stud that does the studies, and then he finds out their story on how they were humiliated and blackballed and kicked out of their universities when they started asking questions and doing research, and then started validating their hypothesis with facts. Then you know they get fired and you know all this stuff. But he also rolls out the facts, and and that's the that's the really cool thing. You can actually see the scientific evidence that's that they accumulated over all these years. So, you know, I know it's frustrating to, to see this game happen, but what's really cool about this is that it is liberating humans from the false timeline. It's liberating us from that, from that diminished I, um, idea of who we are and our capacities and where we come from. Is what's amazing about it, you know? Um, Dear Beverly Starsign says, surprise Netflix allowed that series through. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I feel like there is actually that brings up a really good point. That brings up a really good point because people say, well, then why don't they keep it secret? Why, why, why do people, um, why do they allow whistleblowers? Why do they allow this? And why do they allow that? And that's because the collective conscious, okay, our collective consciousness is a field and if you let energy build up in that field it will eventually explode like a volcano nobody can control the explosion okay so think about this the collective conscious of humanity is a field and that field builds up energy that field builds up energy okay and when enough energy collects in the field it needs expressed so you can suppress a narrative all you want, but when enough energy builds up within the collective field, it's going to, it has to get expressed. It's like the, you can't, um, uh, you can't snuff out that energy. So what they do, rather than allowing it to build to the level where there's an uncontrollable explosion, like a volcano of that energy, Instead, what they do, they do controlled releases of that energy, controlled releases. And I think, Beverly, this is speaking to your point. That's why Netflix is allowing it is because there's so much opening up, waking up within the collective field of humanity. They have they have no choice but to do those controlled releases. So the whole so the whole all of the collective doesn't explode as an uncontrollable volcano. Okay. And this is why they allow whistleblowers on certain levels. This is why certain beings are, you know, one of the many reasons why there's those folks in the disclosure movement. It's because this collective field, that energy has to get expressed. And this idea that I'm talking about, it's not a new idea. This is an old idea. This is the role of the jester in the court. This is the role of the um, thespians in Greece, in Rome. Okay, is that they're the only ones that get away questioning the king. They're the only ones getting away speaking about taboo topics. And it's because those those dramas that those amphitheaters were built for, those dramas weren't just dramas for entertainment. Those dramas were happening to express energy, to express archetypes. 
Okay. And when there was, and when the energy reached a certain critical mass that where it wasn't okay for anybody else to say it, it was the jester and or the thespian that could, that was allowed to play the role and call the, and, and call out the pink elephant in the room. Okay. And that, that was a pressure release to the collective. They, and not only, and they did it in a way where they would say it, it would be like, oh, but then it was also done in a way where people would laugh and laugh and laugh. And what does laughter do? It dispels energy. So quite literally, by making these shadow topics funny, humans would collaborate, collude with the dispersion of that energy by laughing, 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 laughing. And this is why dark comedy is, you know, so, um, so potent. Okay. So. Thank you, dear Beverly, for bringing that up. So anyway, it's excellent show. And uh, in it, to me, this is a sign the humans are waking up to so much more. And we're that much more aligned with the timelines are that are in harmony and alignment with our true spirit in harmony and alignment with who we actually are inside as sovereign multidimensional beings. So to me, this is a magnificent sign magnificent sign now what's what so what to look for are how many pressure releases start getting put out there how many pressure releases because there was a pressure release um done earlier than that and that was by the history channel and what was that one ancient aliens right and then there was another pressure release with um um, with the disclosure movement, they're talking about um, um, the they they were releasing testimony of pilots and and um, military officers and stuff about the UFOs they've encountered, right? So um, so they do these pressure releases because it has to get acknowledged. They want to the the energy can't get too strong or else they can't control it anymore. So they do those pressure releases so they can control it have a, you know, have, um, so it's still manageable. Now what happens is when, um, you know, and this is, you know, this is, I think anyway, I think it's a great thing. And this is also why sacred dramas are so powerful at unwinding things because we have our own, our own personal 4d field. We have our own personal mental, emotional energy, subconscious dramas going on. And when we're not able to acknowledge something or touch something with our awareness, we can create a sacred, our own kind of sacred drama and explore the energy. We can explore the frequencies by role-playing in different ways and, and, and release enough of the pressure of that energy for us to find something new, find out something different that we didn't already know. So it's a way to explore the unknown sacred dramas. Now, I used to do workshops a lot with these sacred dramas, particularly the sacred dramas of the energy of the planets and it was really really powerful especially when we took the energy of the planets um like saturn mars pluto wow 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 the energy was just off the hook and and, and it released a lot it like it released a lot of deep subconscious burdens that people had it cleared things out of the akasha okay now it takes people who can focus and hold space so it's not just anybody can do this. They need to have the focus, the dedication, and the um, ability to hold space in order to relieve, you know, pressure release energy like that. So it's not just for anybody to do. 
Um, I've actually tried it a couple of times where people were not able to hold space and it was a disaster. <laughs> so I learned my lesson very quickly. Okay. I need a really aware person. I need people who are super tuned in and have that capacity or, and even know what holding space is, you know? So, so like I said, hallelujah, this is a great sign for humanity that this is happening because people are done. They, so many people are done. Okay. So and this takes me to that next level. So I'm talking, I want to go in the, um, to the inversion of the idea of justice. Okay. Now I've talked about this before and I think it was last year, but this is another level of refinement. Okay. So who here would like to share their idea of what justice is? Okay. Who would like, if anybody is willing to share what their idea of justice is, and actually I'm going to go ahead also and just um, take a dictionary, a dictionary definition. Okay. All right. So the definitions that we, the, 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 you know, when you actually, this is in Google, what is this? Duck, duck, go. When you duck, duck, go define justice, this is what comes up. The quality of being just fairness. Okay. The principle of moral rightness, decency. Okay. Conformity to moral righteousness in action or attitude, righteousness. Okay. Now, is that the definition of justice you remember? Okay. Righteousness. So uh, yeah, please, please put something down if you, if you have something. Um, cause what I have been tracking into, and I've unwound this for a few people now, and this is why I want to talk about it is that the sense of justice, the sense of being right. Okay. This is an, inc an inverted program that keeps people locked. It keeps people locked in a duality game, a duality polarity game. And what I have found out over my, you know, tracking with people unwinding things, what I realized, especially recently, this has really popped up, is that the idea, the program of justice, the need for justice is actually a wedge between the masculine and feminine harmonizing with each other, unifying. Okay. And what this is doing, it's causing, it's holding in place the wounding between them both, the feminine and the hijacking and, you know, the hijacking of the womb space, the, the cutting off, the, the gagging, you know, all this stuff is, is held in place because the feminine archetype wants justice and revenge to get even, you know, because she's righteous, right? And the masculine is not willing is, is not willing to, um, to give that justice is the, the masculine is righteous in their attitude as an archetype. And because they both are righteous, uh, they're not willing to put down their weaponry, their aims at each other for a unification to happen. Okay. A forgiveness to come forward. I'm speaking archetypally. So I'm, don't, don't, you know, say, well, I'm fine with my husband, whatever, whatever. This is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about these subconscious programs that keep men and women pitted up against each other. Okay. Not 
actually supporting each other, not creating together harmony and beauty between them. Okay. All right. So Luna Rio says, I like to look at the etymology of the words of words. And in this case, it's the administration of the law, which doesn't necessarily af- uh, um, reflect what is actually fair. Now that is interesting. And then you go to where did these laws come from, right? Who made these laws? People talk about um, universal law. Okay, what universal being made that law? Who wrote that in stone? <laughs> you know, you see what I mean? So um, even that word law um, implies an authority outside of oneself, right? So that that goes takes us deeper down that rabbit hole. And dear sister Edna says, justice is supposed to be about fairness, equality. Scales are supposed to balance. Okay. Okay, that's a great point. So check this out. Who forgives first? When you have two opposing sides, they're both completely righteous in how they are and what they're feeling and their decisions and their actions. What, who is it upon to extend the proverbial olive branch? Who's going to, who's going to do that? Who's the one that's going to extend the olive branch to the other if they both are righteous? Okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, they both think they're right. So they have no reason to extend the olive branch. Well, here's the thing. Women are the ones who reprocreate. They're the ones who give life. They're the ones with the womb space that allow life into this realm. Every single animal on this planet came from a womb space or an egg, right? Animal, reptile, whatever came from insect, fish, right? All came from a feminine principle. So, right? So you you see there's a power dynamic here. And the man, the masculine needs to acquiesce to the feminine, but doesn't for the righteousness. So there's like a half, there's a half, I'm only doing this because I have to. And then there's a resentment built. So that's, that's how this thing gets, gets inverted. Ah, okay. So uh, Felicia says, the one who knows winning is love. That's a good one. That's a good one. So when both feel righteous, and not loving, right? So usually what happens is that one gets put, is one gets put in a vulnerable position and petitions the other. That's usually what happens. One gets vulnerable, put in a vulnerable position and petitions the other. And and then it's up to the other to decide. And, you know, as we play this out, the especially with all the shenanigans going on these days this this piece that i'm talking about just gets exacerbated more and more and more and more um you have you have the um pro-vaxxers hating the anti-vaxxers the anti-vaxxers hating the pro-vaxxers you have people who are stuck in the middle you have people playing both sides of the fence you have all these all these these dynamics that make people afraid to speak make people afraid to show their love make people afraid to, or, or it makes people, people's love and acceptance irrelevant, right? 
so there's you know these games are getting more and more sophisticated as we go into as we go into this um, unification process but that's why the shenanigans is going on is because they need our collusion in this game and the more we wake up to who we are as multidimensional beings the less we're willing to collude in the game you see what i mean the less we're willing to let certain um dynamics influence how we treat people okay and this is why in the past i was saying always choose your humanity it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong always choose your humanity and and that's the big question to be asked if someone is um you know trying to push their their uh thoughts or their opinion or their righteousness actually that's a better way to say it. when someone's trying to push their righteousness it's like well you know i'm sorry that your righteousness your, your humanity is not as strong as your need to be right you, you see and just saying it like that is like whoa <laughs> you know like ouch <laughs> okay all right so uh, Luna, Luna Rio says, like the Solomon baby story in the Bible. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. It's like what he put that he put that third piece in there. Um, Felicia says, I face the sides of being right all the time. This will keep us from knowing the truth of our human our human destiny. Uh, yeah, as long as we keep buying into it, absolutely. So, so instead of um, justice, instead of being right. It's more of, you know, what getting in touch with our humanity. What part of us wants love? What part of us is really just wanting love and acceptance? And when we can sink into that and that vulnerability, we can we can start transmuting the um, the perverted justice program. OK, the thing is, when feelings and energies are really high and they're super intense, you know, it takes time. It takes time and space to to do to discover that. And and this is coming into um, another piece. And this is how our birthright as multi sovereign multidimensional beings has been repeatedly um, hijacked and put on display throughout history in front of our faces. Okay, I know this is going to be a trip. All right, so. You guys know I talk about Marguerite a lot in the in the work that she does with parthenogenesis and the sacred sisterhood and stuff like this. Well, so one of the dear star shines in our academy didn't ask this question directly to me, but um, asked one of our facilitators um, about a vision they keep having, which was a severed hand keeps coming into their into their awareness, and they're like, I, I don't know what this is. Do you know what this is? Like it keeps coming, 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 coming. So, um, so I get asked this question and, um, and intuitively, I just, I just instantly had the sense of, you know, it's a punishment. It's a punishment of some sort of a divine being. And through d digging deeper into all this, um, a, a massive rabbit hole appeared. And I, and of course I went down it and, and, and I was astonished on how it's hidden in plain sight. And this is how it goes. When you are when you are a self-realized being, when you're a being that is awoke to who you are as multidimensional, no matter where you are in history, what's happening is your DNA dance is fully awake. Your DNA dance is fully alive. Okay. And um and and there's something that happens when you dismember the physical body of a being 
that was a self-realized multidimensional being. And, and this is woven deep into our mythology. We have um, the Egyptian pantheon, and um, I think it's the son Osiris that gets dismembered by his brother Seth. And then the goddess Isis goes to the ends of the earth to find all his pieces and reassemble him again. You guys are familiar with that story. And then you have, um, and then you have um, all sorts of reiterations of similar kinds of stories like that. But then you have these stories of the um, divine sisters. And these are the ones that are self-realized women that are capable of parthenogenesis, which is immaculate conception. Okay. And you think that maybe it's just a story here and a story there and, and like this, but it's not. And this is what I was astounded by. So in our conversation, um, she's asked, uh, a dear star shines asking about the severed hand. I'm giving my intuitive hit information that, that's coming to me about it. Then another um, star shine uh, found whose hand um, um, found a story. Her son told her a story about someone's hand in a cathedral. And then she just kind of Googled it or whatever. Whose hand was it? And it was uh, a, 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 a king of Turkey, which is the you know, part of the Ottoman Empire. So here's where things get really interesting. And this is where ding light started going off in my head. Um, so I, I give I give that information. She says this King Thomas of Turkey. Right. And then I started realizing, you know, the royalty and their original intention were servants of of humanity and they were meant to um, have dominion over the realms. You know, that's always been a statement. Um, Lord of the realms. OK, so it's not just the human realm, but it's also the telluric realm as well. The elemental realms. OK, which means the coronation of the different royal lines were not just humans deciding it, but elemental beings also um, uh, collaborating, saying, yes, this person has the awakened the awakened DNA has the, the capacity to be a royal being, a divine being. And uh, when, and so this King Thomas, you know, this was back in history, right? Was also a saint, but check this out. The Ottoman Empire, this, this is just so cool. So the Ottoman Empire, its cultural center was Visoko, it's now located in Visoko, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Okay. Now, Bosnia and Herzegovina, you guys know that there was a conflict. The U.S. came in, we cleaned, you know, we did whatever. There's all kinds of crazy stories about what happened there. But as an act of peace, they decided to separate the, the country into two zones. There's a Catholic zone and an Islamic zone. The Bosnia side is Islamic and the Herzegovina side is the Christian, is the Catholic, specifically Catholic. And that famous vision, um, uh, uh, village of Marjagoria, where the apparition of Mary appeared is in the Herzegovina side. Okay. So, um, but that little tiny village, Visoko in Bosnia, is also happens to be where the Bosnian pyramids exist. Now, there's all kinds of debunking that has happened about the Bosnian pyramids by um, the scholars, right, in, uh, in, the, in academia. But I can tell you because I've been there, that place is the real deal. The energy alone is off the hook. You go into the Ravna tunnels, whew, 
amazing. I mean, just the whole complex is absolutely extraordinary. So we end up going to a the ruins of a master built church, which means it was a church, uh, um, a temple that was built with the energy of the elemental realm in mind of the cosmos in mind. And it was perfectly, it was a place of perfect harmony and sanctuary between the cosmic and earthly realms. And then once we're reading, we're reading more, or actually um, our dear brother Starshine, who was acting as our guide that day, he, um, he was reading to us um, the history of this place. And that happened to be the sacred well where all of the Ottoman royal beings, kings and queens were coronated until they were coronated there for hundreds of years. Okay, this includes Turkey. Turkey is part of the Ottoman Empire, right? <laughs> for hundreds of years, they were coronated in that temple. And it wasn't until the breakup of the Ottoman Empire did the capital get moved to Sarajevo. And then that temple was left to fall to ruins. So when I get wind of this thing about the king of Turkey, you know, in his hand being there, I'm instantly connected with an actual royal being, an actual sainted being, an actual self-realized being who had a full living DNA dance. Okay. So then also comes the dismembering story. So I started doing some research about cutting hands off. And I found some fascinating stories, fascinating stories. The most gruesome of the stories that I found was with King Leopold in Belgium. And there's a town called Antwerp, which literally means throwing of the hand. Okay. So this was, they were plagued by a giant that, that charged a toll every time you wanted to cross a river, this river that he was at. And if you refused to pay him money, he would chop your hand off and throw it into the river. So, so he was feeding, right? He was feeding a nature spirit like this. So um, there was a hero that Brago that um, was offended by this and went and hunted down the giant and cut off his hand. And so to commemorate that, um, that event, the, uh, they have this giant um, fountain in the center of Antwerp of Brago holding the hand of the giant like this with water pouring out of it, like it's blood, you know, getting ready to chuck it like a football. So King Leopold fast forward a thousand years, uh, King Leopold comes into the picture and he takes over the dominion of Congo and he wants all the ivory and rubber of Congo. And he demands that all the men of that country deliver the, the rubber and the ivory to the ports of Belgium. And those that rebel would get their hands cut off. And the story is, is that, you know, millions of people got their hands cut off. And later on, of course, that was, you know, it was discovered that he was enslaving those people, would not actually in trade with those people. But while he, his reign um, was placed, he took the, all the money from those, from that enslavement and built these magnificent buildings in, um, in Belgium. So, uh, so, so that's like the, one of the most gruesome ones, but there's more. So the hands get cut off as a punishment, but the full on dismemberment continues. It's so a hand, right? It's, um, it's said to carry powers. Okay. 
it's said to carry powers and there is something called here hold on a second uh the hand of glory so if a thief if you can acquire the hand of someone who was a thief through magical workings you can conjure the powers the abilities the skills of that thief right and to a magical right and then you will have those skills and and um capacities at your access for you to successfully rob places and things it's called the hand of glory here i'll um how, can i share this how do i share this all right just so you guys can check this out i'm not making this stuff up <laughs> here i'm gonna do it like this oh here we go i'll do it like this and then i'm going to share my screen so you guys can see it because this is this is crazy stuff all right share screen dun, 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 dun. share screen it's telling me i need to have two monitors but i'm not going to do that brave tab here we go and it is the hand of glory one can you guys see that so this is the hand of glory so this is this is a magical use of a hand okay and what I found out through my research, hold on a second, let me get back. What I found out through my research is that the saints, this is in Catholic works, the saints that the saints, male saints, and across the board, they defied the, um, the doctrine of the Catholic church, such as um, St. Francis Azizi, he taught that God was in every blade of grass and every bird and every tree. That was, that was directly against the, um, the tenets of the Catholic faith. But yet he was a Catholic saint. So what happens is that these self-realized beings are so potent and so powerful, they have to be acknowledged. Just like I was talking about with that collective field right? That collective field needs to, in the beginning, um, you know, you need to pressure release it. That's how they're doing. They couldn't excommunicate those saints because they would completely, you know, pull their, pull their people, pull the, all, you know, the pools of the masses away from the obvious fakeness of what the Catholic church was about, right? So they would incorporate them into the, in, you know, they would keep them as part of the Catholic um, hierarchy, right? So St. Francis Azizi is a great example. Well, it turns out there were many, many other saints that were like this, and many of them were royalty, were kings, princes, queens, okay? Now, the kings that were also saints, they would have their hands severed, okay? They would actually have their hands severed, and then that hand is put in display at different cathedrals around Europe, United States, and other places, and of course, what you know about the cathedrals, those are powerful energy points. Those are powerful energy points that the cathedral gets built on. And then they take the hand of this royal king and or saint like this and put it on display. So it's quite literally saying this is what will happen to you, right? You'll get punished if you become self-realized. Okay, this is a silent agreement that people go into without even knowing it, okay? Now, the fate is even worse for the self-realized women. And this is a trip. Oh, let me show you guys this. This is such a trip. I was astonished here. Let me make sure I have the right, the right um, tab to show you because it was amazing. All right. So there's something called cephalophores. 
Cephalophores are saints that have had their heads severed. Okay. Cephalophores, I mean, there's so many of them and they have their own term, right? So check this out. This is, this is, you guys are going to crack, maybe crack up or maybe you'll be super pissed. <laughs> Hold on a second. I want to, all right, stop screen. All right, stop the screen share. Okay, let me go into the next thing. Screen share and do and show you guys the list of cephalophores. Okay, so through my research, what I found was that there is lots of cephalophores throughout history. Okay, you guys can see this. All right, see this list? That's a lot of cephalophores, right? These are only the Catholics. These are only acknowledged Catholic saints on this list. There's many more. There's many more other than this, but, but check this out. Many of these saints were self-realized women of the sacred sisterhood. They were like, they were Marys. They were, you know, okay. They were the Magdalene's. They were, they were the different Mary lines. Okay. And, you know, uh, Brigitte is also included in this, St. Brigitte, who also, after her death, was dismembered. Okay? So, we, in front of our faces, in our cathedrals and other places in our story, we have these stories of sacred women getting dismembered. And th it's such a trip. This, this um, Winifred... This Winifred at the at the towards the end of the list, she was a sacred sister. She she had a, a vow of celibacy at the age of 12. She wanted to be a nun. That's you know a code for a sacred sister, right? Her parents promised her to uh um to a royalty to to marry some guy. She fled. He tracked her down, tried to rape her. She decided, you know, she fought it off, and and in return he beheaded her. Okay. Same thing with, oh, 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 sorry. Also this thing with this particular saint, um, Winifred, she was a Celtic. As we know, the elemental realm was deeply involved in the, in the Celts and the Gauls culture. She was a, um, she was a Celtic, uh, priestess. Let's say it like that. And when, when they beheaded her, a sacred well sprung up a sacred well sprung up from the ground and that well went on to be a to um to release healing waters that many generations of humans went to to draw water from for healing similar story is with this um saint saturnia saturnina okay interesting name saturn right saturnina she was also a sacred sister that was beheaded fighting off a um a forced upon first forced upon mate most of the actually all of the women on this list were all sacred of the sacred sisterhood and they were all beheaded for refusing to let themselves be raped refusing to let to surrender their pure status their virgin status and this story is exemplified to us with the story of Medusa. So um, this is a sacred sisterhood. She was a high priestess. She was a, um, a Virgin Mary, right? Um, and she, I think it was, oh, shoot, I keep messing this up. If it was Zeus or Poseidon, I can't remember. One of those two gods were, was pursuing her and um, was trying to rape her. And she ran to, the, to Aphrodite, I think it was, to um, ask for protection. And instead, she got raped in the temple of Aphrodite. And as punishment, 
Instead of punishing the man, Aphrodite cursed her, turned her into a Medusa. Okay. And how did Medusa die? She got beheaded. Okay. So this defilement of the sacred feminine is all over the place. It's all over the place. It's hidden in plain sight. And this is just recent hit. This is just recent history, guys. Think about the tens of thousands of years humanity has been in existence now that we know the timelines are total lies that, you know, who else would be on this list? Okay. And why is this significant? The reason why this is significant is because they are reenacting an ancient ritual and they are re reenacting the ancient ritual of the dismemberment of Tiamat, the dismemberment of the sacred cosmic mother womb. That's a reenactment over and over and over and over again. And it's interesting that these stories, especially the women who get beheaded, many of them talk about a sacred spring erupts from the elemental realm and it becomes a place of healing for people. Okay. So these stories of dismemberment are reinforcing our own dismemberment inside all, you know, the death of a thousand cuts, you know, all the times, all the abandonment, all the parts of ourselves we cut out because it wasn't conforming, right? All the parts of ourselves we've abandoned, all the parts of ourselves that we've rejected, made wrong. You see what I mean? So by having actual realized beings get ceremoniously um, dismembered over and over and over and over and over again, they are doing their best to keep our, our fragmentation in place. So if we have a self-realized sister, sacred mother, Virgin Mary, actually get buried into the ground, aka the telluric realm, the, the decomposition of that, of that awakened unified DNA would reinform the elemental realm. It would reinform the elemental realm and the elemental realm will wake up, you know, from the, from playing their part in the severance game. So this is why, hold on a second, I'm not done. There's one more. And this is why the story of the assumption of Mary is so important. Her body never got placed into the elemental realm. Therefore her being in the story never got to reinform the lands in which she would have been buried. Instead, she was assumed. She never experienced the expiration of leaving this body. She was assumed into the heavens. Yet her son who gets demasculated, who gets castrated, all this stuff, I mean, not castrated, like literally, like he, there's a story of him getting castrated. No, he gets castrated in that you have to be um, celibate in order to be like Jesus, right? He was, it was done in story. It was done in teaching. It was done in principles and values, right? So, I mean, this is, this is big stuff that, that we're talking about. Maybe you guys could just feel in your body what's happening when, when I'm talking about this. So we can reclaim these dismemberments. 
Now, there's lots of ways to reclaim these dismemberments, but one way particularly that's in my mind is grid work, okay? Working with those collective fields, okay? Um, there's a lot of cosmic flow pouring into our reality right now via the moon, okay? I mean, high level cosmic realms just pouring into the collective consciousness right now. And yeah, I know the moon, part of the moon is hijacked, but not the whole thing. Only only certain um, bandwidths of frequency are hijacked. There are higher level, higher dimensional levels of the moon that are not hijackable. And that is where those cosmic transmissions are coming. And it's coming, it's informing our waters, our rivers, our lakes, our streams, okay? So this is pouring into our reality. And there's, and what it's doing, you know, it's, kind of like, I want to say, I'm giving us opportunity to lay new consciousness grids. It's reinforming the ley lines. It's reinforming the earth, the telluric realm in such a deep way. That's one of the many, many reasons why we're getting new, new energy centers developing, new stargates developing, new ley line patterns happening. Okay. There's like a reclaiming on a deep, deep, deep cosmic level of the sacred sisterhood. And, and I'm, I don't want to leave men out because they benefit from this. Absolutely. But it has to start with them. It has to start with them. And, and it is starting with them. So it's starting within the sacred sisterhood. It's starting within the feminine natures of you, of me, of all the people we know, male or female, doesn't matter, male, female, or other, doesn't matter. We all have feminine, feminine aspects to us. And this is all getting reinformed by these cosmic frequencies. So by, by us embodying different grid works in relationship to an awakened, um, uh, uh, awakened, uh, uh, virgin status within ourselves, right? We are laying a new collective grid work. And that too has to have its expression. That energy has, has to be expressed. No one can control it. It's here. It can't be locked down now that it's here. You see what I mean? So even though there's a lot of chaos and turmoil going on and things are very painful right now for a lot of folks, just know that miracles, miracles, I mean, miracles are happening right now for the collective, for the Pachamama, for the sisterhood, for men, for women, for children, you know, miracles are coming forward and it's amazing, amazing, amazing. All right. So, uh, dear Felicia, Felicia says, is this also the reason for child abuse and sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause it's all about the innocence, the robbing of innocence. Cause the more you rob of innocence, the more that goes into the collective. And what happens is when that's ha open, when that's happening over and over and over and over and over again, there's a deep grieving process. There's a deep grief and anguish and, um, despair in the collective that has to get expressed. And if you don't know all this terrible abuse is going on, nobody knows that it has to get expressed and it starts expressing through our own subconscious. We start to be the ones who are expressing this despair, experiencing the despair, the hopelessness, the loss of our innocence. Okay. You, you, you can see the game now. All right. I was a member of a dance troupe that danced the dance of the Vestal Virgins. Wow. Very good. Very good. These virgins were perfectly touched by priests who brought the divine into sexuality. 
uh, Mary Jesus, Jesus's mother was such a woman. Yes, yes, she, yes. So and here's the thing. We say, her, we call her name like it's Mary, but actually that's a title. That is a title of the sacred sisterhood of Isis, right? So this is um, self-realized beings capable of immaculate conception, aka parthenogenesis. And because the realms were unified within them, they brought beauty, balance, harmony to all of the lands that they dwelled, okay, upon which they dwelled. They, that their very presence did that. And this was the original function of royalty was to bring, um, to maintain a perfect balance, a harmony. So abundance would abound for the people. So, I mean, there's so much here than, than we realize. And I, I really hope that this was helpful for you guys to recognize you have a role in this. All of you have a role in this. And this is um, why it's so important for us to heal those wounds, heal those pieces that keep us um, in an uh, opposition status with masculine and feminine inside of us and outside of us. And also recognize that's why it's so important that we cultivate a healthy autonomous relationship with exospecies. Now that could be ETs, but that also means nature spirits. That means um, devas, that means uh, uh, gnomes and trolls and uh, fairies and elves and sasquatches. It's like, yeah, this stuff is chalked up as fantasy um, for the human experience. But for those of us who know how to traverse multiple realms, we know those beings exist. We know they are real. Many of us are friends with Sasquatch beings, you know, have been nurtured with by those relationships. And, and this is why the realms are coming together and we need to we need we need to rectify with that we need to go you know do what we need to do to bring that the harmony to reestablish that fairy accord from long ago where where our realms overlap there is an agreement that we will meet in peace and in and in, in brotherhood and sisterhood okay co-creativeness and as that gets restored by each of you building your relationships with these exospecies, we're doing our part of bringing the unification of these realms together. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. Oh, thank you, Felicia, for that. Um, um, she's saying this is so beautiful. Yeah. For the month of December, especially. Yes, yes, yes. So this is a sacred month. This is, you know, this is the month of where solstice happens. Well, and also people at Christmas, but this is where we get these interesting traditions that we continually practice, like the Yule log tradition, like the Christmas tree tradition. You know, these, this is humanity reconnecting with the Tuluric realm. This is humanity celebrating the Telluric realm. This is humanity uh, doing what they can to bring beauty forward. Okay. So, and this is because, you know, the days are getting shorter, shorter, shorter. We're seeing so much light. This is, this is humanity creating their own light from their spirit. So that's, coming together with others you love that's telling stories that's sharing in good cheer that's you know what i mean this this is these traditions that we have for the holidays of this time of year go so much deeper than you know santa claus and buying presents it goes way deeper than that it's showing us what it looks like for humanity to make their own light 
and humanity to reach that olive branch out and celebrate the telluric realm and the gifts that come with that okay so um yeah i can keep going i can keep going and going on that but i'm, I'm past my time so i won't hold you guys <laughs> hold you guys any further thank you so much for being here thank you for being a part of this conversation um i really hope that this is helpful and some perspectives came forward and perhaps some activation of, of cellular memory came forward um i'm so grateful to be able to talk like this with you guys so thank you thank you thank you thank you for being here and allowing this to happen um if you guys want to join in in um in our academy we have um space in our core curriculum which is all about empathic empowerment work and um i encourage you guys to check that out it's at lifebodyacademy.com lots of love to you guys we'll see you next time Oh, somebody has a photographed leprechaun. That is awesome. If you can share it in some of our groups, that would be great. I, I know personally people who have communications with leprechauns, darling. So, so it may be very well received that, that picture. I'd love to talk to you about it too. All right, darlings. That's it for me. Bye. Mm -hmm.